Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Matt, Scotty's with me once more. Hi Scotty. How you going Matthew? Yeah, not too bad, how are you? Yeah, good, it was a nice way to finish off the season on the weekend, wasn't it? It was a good entertaining game actually. Yeah, it was good to watch, good to be there. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but let's start with what's happening at Belmore. Yeah, so Farmer Brown looks like his season's over after the New South Cup loss to the St. George Lamar Dragons on the weekend. He's gone down with a knee injury, suspected ACL injury, so no good for New Brown. Nah. Then we also, there's a bit of an element of, we'll, we'll touch, I'll touch this up in later, but it's a bit of like a history of repeating itself in that New South Cup, uh, Canterbury Cup team this year. But I'll touch that later when we talk about our Canterbury Cup match on, shortly. But the departing players, and again, the departing players this year, Michael Leach, Denny Falalo, Farmu Brown and John Olive. So there's the four players confirmed on the weekend at AMZ Stadium who will be departing the Bulldogs at season's end. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, is probably a bit, of a bit of a surprise out of that. John Olive was struggling to make the um, Canterbury Cup squad, so no surprise there. We already knew about Leacher, um, Farmer Brown. Uh, we've talked about Farmer Brown being a, a player that's done really well at reserve grade, but might be the type of player that doesn't do much more than that. So, not too upsetting. But thanks to all those players that uh, put on a Bulldogs jersey for us. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the service and continue training and. I know it's sometimes difficult. Some of those have been in part of difficult years so much for the top grade side, but a lot of them have actually, well, especially Farmer Brown, Leacher and Falala in a sense, have delivered well on the New South Cup level as well. Like, delivered really well. We'll probably have to buy a couple of, couple of more uh, uh, forwards, middle forwards, uh, mm. losing Falalo, so... We're on the lookout for a hooker, or perhaps Sione uh, Katoa is leaving Penrith, so that might be an option. Yeah, it could be an option, yeah. I mean, we're looking, you're probably looking at a backup hooker at least, or a, a shared hooker, an interchange bench hooker, or even a starting one for Jerry Marshall King off the bench, so we're probably looking for someone, or even at least a backup one, to come into the side, and maybe well, Sione might be the man. Losing Fabi uh, Brown as well. Definitely need one. Uh, so last week on Saturday night, in front of just under 10,000 uh, at ANZ Stadium, the Bulldogs defeated the Broncos 30 points to 14 in a highly entertaining game. What were your thoughts on the game, Scotty? I was gobsmacked. It was, it was very entertaining. I thought uh, there was tries of kicks. We scored tries from long balls. It was exciting stuff. It was it was really good to see the Bulldogs put on 30 points against a team making finals football. Again, another yeah. taking out another top eight team again at the back end we, of the season. We scored five tries to three. Uh, Nick Meany scored in the second minute, Jackson in the 12th. Uh, Nick Meany again in the 47th, uh, 49th and 57th and Robert Smith in the 70th minute. Meany kicked four from five. It's Nick Meany's first hat trick. Yeah, and what a point scoring like oh, hasn't he hasn't he turned into a try scoring three in the last few weeks? It took him a while to get on the board. Once he hit the board, he couldn't stop scoring. I think there was a stat when he scored his first try that was his fourth try in his last six games. So I think that think I think that finishes his season with six tries from six games. So that's good, right. Good ending. He's really getting used to being out there. Obviously, Nick Mitty also kicked a penalty goal to finish on. Um, 22 points, personal hole. That's a record. So, <laughs> that's that's for the Broncos, yeah, Stag's got two tries. Milford's also going to try. Osaka off night with the boot, one from three. Just take you back to the game. We'll look at, back at it just before half time. We'll look at the Bulldogs uh, had a bit of a lead. Um, as we can see, the half time score was 12 10. The Bulldogs got off to a good start, looked in control, and the Broncos, two tries. Two tries before half time, like you look at Staves in the thirty fourth and the thirty eighth minute. Did you feel the Broncos were gonna run away from the second half? No, I, th- I thought we'd be in it uh, the way the game was going, I thought we were gonna be in it towards the end. I uh, didn't expect us to run away with it though. 
I thought, I thought when they scored the two tries leading the half, someone thought, oh no, here we go, good start, <laughs> but they're going to run away and they, they will win 30 to 14 or something like that. But it was a credit to the uh, to the Bulldogs turning up and in the second half and being first to score well, the first two tries to yeah. really put pressure well, back to Brisbane. We've definitely been the second half team this year, haven't we? Second oh, half has been a lot better than the first half. So uh, it was good to have a good first fairly half. Fairly confident that we'd be in the game all the way throughout. What do you think? Of, uh, off the topic of the actual football, what do you think of the attendance figure? Nine thousand eight hundred seven people at ANZ. Uh, it's quite disappointing. Tell you what, it was actually. I mean, um, no, the wind makes it easier, but I, I did think there was some. I was estimating around 11,000 when I did my little crowd-guessing game. And I was a little bit off. Just a, yep. like, just a bit over a 1,000 off. But the noise they were making and being there that night, I know it helps when your team scores 30 points. Yeah. It was a good atmosphere at ANZ Stadium on Saturday night. And it was good weather too. It was nice. It wasn't too cold. A little bit chilly, but it was, just felt everything else felt nice about that game. So a few uh, standout players. We already talked about Nick Meaning scoring three tries. He had 19 runs for 147 run metres. Hopalati was good again, 26 runs for 180 metres. Uh, Remus Smith knocked over 100 metres in centre. Uh, Morgan Harper on debut. How solid was he? Uh, 12 runs for 117 metres. Jaden Ockenbaugh got 20 runs for 173 metres. So the back five, uh, pretty... Pretty well, very solid stats there. What, then you go what to about the forwards? Yeah, what I would about go to the forwards with Dylan Harper, oh. 213 meters, 147 meters for Tolman, 138 by Captain My Captain Josh Jackson, Corey Harrelara, Adam Elliott, also, and Raymond Fatal Marino all notching over 100 running meters. Oh, wow, it's impressive! <laughs> very impressive. Everyone, everyone did their job. Yeah, pretty much. Jack Coggy got some game time, Scotty, for the first time in about four weeks. Played yeah. 28 minutes. Good to see him. Unfortunately, he did struggle a little bit defensively at the hooker role. I was a bit excited to see him actually coming out and running, and he actually didn't run. <laughs> didn't take a no. run. I thought it would be nice to see him have a run. It was a tough, it's a tough position to defend, and always being at the play the ball is physically demanding, and it does take a lot of energy, so it is a tough position to play, and uh, I thought he did okay in his time before Josh Jackson took over. Lachlan Lewis was good in defence again, but a few kicks weren't the greatest, uh, I, which let his, let his game down overall. I think um, it was his best attacking game of the year. Yeah, it probably was, but it was a, kicking it was still a few very, oh, like, no, I'm not very poor with errors him. from his kicking game. Yeah, I think that almost knocked him off the man of the match, in my opinion. Who did you give your man of the match to, Scotty? Well, I've I'm giving my man of the match uh, to I'm going to give it to Nick Meany. Yep, his hat trick. The the hat trick, the goal kicking, his tough runs. Now I was watching Nick closely in this game, and I've been harsh on him in previous podcasts, as you know. But I was watching him, and he when he runs, when he returns the ball, he he doesn't have the size or anything, but he returns he returns it and he breaks. He breaks tackles, interestingly, the way he does it. He uses his, actually his small frame to his advantage, which is quite yeah. clever. Uh, his goal-kicking, he's almost as good as Hasm, isn't he, with his goal-kicking? <laughs> Not that level yet, I know, but I'm only kidding. But he's another, another goal-kicking winger. We love the goal-kicking wingers at the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. I just think he was just there. He was just there, scoring tries. He's got some good passes, some really great finishes. I've gone with... Sorry, go on. Sorry, it was his birthday the other day, so happy birthday, Nick. If you're birthday. listening, happy come birthday. jump on the podcast. <laughs> um, I've given my bit of the match to Will Hopawadi. Uh, we've gone for his running meters, but he got two try assists as well. Uh, he did well at the back. His uh, ball handling and uh, passing game was, was on fire as well. So for me, Will mm. Hopawadi. It's amazing. Before we because we had a debut on, I thought we could just spend a minute or two speaking about Morgan Harper. Yeah. Uh, 
and I was watching him at the stadium, and I thought he was fantastic. He was, he's like I said before when he came into the debut, he's quite a clever, clever, a clever player. Unfortunately, he missed the goal towards the end to really ice off a really good debut. Yeah. But there was times when, oh, it was Nick Min, yeah, it was Nick Min getting pushed to the sideline, he tackled him back in. Just little things yeah. like that. Just little tiny things that he does that I don't think ever, not many people actually notice. But there was a funny situation I saw at the stadium. I don't know if you caught the TV. Was Anthony Milford was returning the ball and he passed the ball back. In. He passed the ball and Anthony Milford went for it, like trying to be in support play. And Morgan Harper actually hit him. It wasn't late, but he actually grabbed him and wrapped him up. Yep. And then they basically, uh, Anthony Milford wasn't overly happy with that. And he basically just kept holding on to him until getting him away from support play. I know it's not overly legal, I guess, but it was just stuff like that. There's little tiny things that he's a little bit of a, I, I reckon he's a bit of a pest watching him in this cup as well. But like just someone who's quiet about it. He's not like a Josh Reynolds type of pest, but he just does it without really much fuss. I think he's just such a clever player. And I, th- I thought he had a really, really, really good debut. Probably best to describe that as gamesmanship, not so much oh, being a pest. Oh, I think it's a pest. <laughs> yeah, um, gamesmanship. Yeah, the best I really thing really I can say about Morgan Harper is that in his first game, he looked like a seasoned NRL player. Well, that's a massive rap, and you're not wrong. Not wrong. He's just absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to see him play more next year. Yeah, uh, hopefully he gets into the off-season, rips in, and... Uh, you could be our first, well, one of our first choice starting centres next season, Scotty. Yes, yeah. You could, could you imagine having him and Remus Smith at the centres? Starting next year, maybe? That'd be interesting. It'd just be interesting how it's turned that way. That's right. All right, I think we'll wrap up last week's review there, hey, Scotty? Yeah, I think we've said as much as we can. All righty, it's time for Pop Watch. We dive into the lower grades and see how we're going as a club and also point out a few good performers. Last week, in the first week of the Canterbury Cup final series, Bulldogs lost to the to George Illawarra Dragons 24-22 after an extra time period of 10 minutes. That extra time period was not golden point. Uh, it was pre-golden point because we are in finals football now. Um, we've both watched the game. Uh, what did you think of it, Scotty? I thought I thought it was a really good game of football. I mean, it was very tricky conditions there. It was a wind. It was blowing a gale force. There was things. It was just tricky conditions to kick, pass, anything like that. But it was still a very entertaining game of football. The the teams were playing a good style, so they didn't put they didn't back away from. The uh, backing away from backing themselves, I guess, would be the way of saying it. What do you think? I think it was the first time this year that uh, any game I've seen, um, this includes all the the Kidman Cup finals games, because I've seen three of the four, um, where the wind has had such a big effect on a game. I don't think that's happened this year as much as it happened throughout this first week of the Kidman Cup finals. We yeah. played a huge role in the game. Mm. Like, well, look at like just little errors. Like, uh, was it Makashki, was Jesse, sorry, who kicked out the full? Yeah. In one set. Then the next, well, maybe f- not even five minutes later, we get a penalty for touch, and it looked like Farmer Brown was trying to knock the ball down the whole entire field. And I've never seen him, well, on that level, miss kick a ball for touch. And he completely yeah. missed the touch finder. He just completely. He's was trying t- to. He's, he's thinking too much about it. I've never seen him stuff a simple thing up, and he missed it completely. And it was just the wind playing on his mind a bit. I've never seen a game that just that windy. Yeah, well, this this game was played at Campbelltown Sports Stadium last week. We played the St George Alloy Dragons and lost that game twenty-two to twenty at Belmore Sports Ground. So two weeks mm. in a row, we've lost to the same team by two points. It was a very different type of game. Uh, mm. Last last week, we made a a late second half comeback to lose by two points to the Dragons. This week, we led the game 20-10 to 10 at halftime. So for the Bulldogs, the try scorers were Kane Kalachi, two tries, Isaiah Tass and John Olive. Jesse Bergeski got two from four conversions and one from one with the penalty goals. Uh, for the Dragons, 
they got those two extra points for the win in the extra time. They're a good team, the Dragons. Uh, the game overall was a pretty high-quality game. If you haven't seen it, I'd probably relate it to maybe a, a low- to medium-level NRL match. Would you say that in, the, in this game, Farmer Brown getting injured in the first half, could you say that if he played the entire game, the Bulldogs run out winners? Oh, I don't know if you can go as far as that, but it definitely hurt the side. Um, but that half-time score of 20 points to 10, I think the win, the win played a role in that too. Yeah. I was just, the was wondering... second half was 14-2 to two to the Dragons, uh, poor, running with the win. Poor Jesse pretty much had to do everything in the second half. He had no really assistance when it came to kicking or anything like yeah. that. I feel like in those win conditions, you'd like to mix it up a little bit. and You know, it's always good to have two options instead of the one in any in any game. Well, the good, good news for us is that this was a qualifying match, not an elimination match. So uh, just like last year, we've lost the first week of the qualifiers uh, to the team that was placed first. So if uh, that's an omen from last year, uh, we might go on to win the premiership again. Well, how about this for an omen? We lost our halfback, our starting halfback in the Canterbury Cup last year and for the, for the finals in week two, which was Matt Frawley. Remember, we had to play without him. And Farmer Brown had to go to halfback. He went from hooker to halfback in the final series. So that's so is the that way the it is. Is that the omen, though? Like, hope, we've lost the halfback so. as well, both? So we're going to win it now? <laughs> we do come up this week up against... Uh, so last week we were at Campbelltown Stadium. We're keeping on the West Tigers theme for the Kitterman Cup Finals. We're off to Leichhardt to play against Wendlers. Yes, yeah. So they had a they had a win last week. Wentworth against um, the Panthers. Uh, Panthers, that's right. That was, yeah, that was, that was, that was a quality game too, actually. That was an impressive win. Not just because... Well, Panthers, we know they were in the top four last year. And you know how dangerous Penrith always are. They're always up theirs and theirs about in the juniors. Yeah. If you thought anyone was from the bottom of the eight was going to... Oh, sorry, the bottom four out of the top eight was going to do it. I was thinking someone like Penrith might be able to do it. And then, boom, they're out. That's... Yeah. That's, that's right. what that's... a typically strong team in uh, all it... competitions below the LRL. You'd think if anyone's going to do it at the top, uh, the top, uh, uh, the top four. Sorry, I should rephrase that. They, uh, you'd think someone like the Penrith Panthers would be someone who could cause damage to the top four teams and gone. Not even going to face one of them in the finals. That's right. Uh, you had some stats that you wanted to point out. Is that right? Yeah. So. I'm going to uh, pick our one player for Pup Watch, and um, you've got, you're actually going to pick one this week as well for yourself. I'm going to highlight Denny Falalo. I was so close on picking him. In this, in this game, he's played at lock, so he's like he wearing number 19. He was a late-minute change to the, the side. He yeah, came at lock, and then he played the proper... He played 83 minutes of the 90 minutes. 83. For, in the front row. In the middle. <laughs> In the front row, he made 16 runs for 172 run meters, 80 post contact meters. That, yes, like, that there. But do you know what I've r- realized? That I've never seen him run that hard before. Like he was just knocking dragons players over left, right, and center. Like, I don't know if he's, it's because he's playing for a contract or the finals hype has really got to him. His tackle effectiveness was 92% in that game, making 23 yeah, tackles. He really took the lead in the forward pack for us. Um, that part was obvious, even without stats. But, um, yeah, yeah, with the news that he's, he's, he's left the club at the end of the season, he's probably trying to uh, sell himself to to any club that would like him. Maybe he might do a Michael Leacher. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The way he was running. The way he was running, he was knocking players left, right and centre. I'm like... Well, I haven't seen much of that with Denny Falalo, the way he runs. He was almost throwing himself out of a cannon every time he was running the ball. Yeah, and before we, before we get into our official part watch, um, you've, you've uh, got there, Scotty. There's just two players that I uh, want to talk about quickly, and they were Ben and Jesse Mageski. Um, I think they're twins, actually. Um, they really were the, uh, the generals of the team. Really controlled it well, uh, and between them, got the got the Bulldogs into really good positions. 
those two were highly impressive. Uh, I think they might be given another year off season, maybe another half season at that level. Could be some players that we watch out for in the future. Yeah, they, they look like talents. I've watched actually Jesse a few times this year when he's been playing before the NRL in the games. And I've looked at, especially Jesse, I've seen Ben a few times, but more Jesse here. I've looked at him and he looks like a, ta- he looks like a talent. And, um, you know, Kieran Foran coming off contract next year and him playing 5-8, you never know. He might be an option to look in like two years' time. Yeah, it's a bit regular top grade, maybe a bit of top grade next year. You never know. Like he looks, he looks the goods. I like it. And Ben topped the tackle count with fifty six tackles as well. So, how good is that? Like, and brothers playing brothers as well in the same yeah. level. Apparently, they came through the Sydney Roosters juniors. Yes, they did. So I don't know if they were uh, Eastern Suburbs juniors or if they were picked up at a young age by the Roosters, but they were in that system. That's a good system to be a part of. They always talk about the Roosters about being ultimately professional. So it's yeah. a good system, a good team to pick up from. But All yeah, right, let's uh, wrap this up with uh, the official pup watch, Scotty. Yes, so my official pup watch goes to the try scoring forward, Kane Kalachi, off the bench. He scored yep. two tries. He's a lock forward, a lock and prop, scoring two tries. What's he doing? Is he in the front row club anymore? Is well, he um... his membership revoked? Richie's, I think he's Richie Bellow's favourite player. Uh, two tries and 222 run metres. So two tries for 222. Two, two. You stole uh, my joke. Stole <laughs> I was thinking that. I was lining that up and you took it. Oh, that's funny. We didn't even speak about that before hitting record either. Yeah. Was, <laughs> but we know him more seriously for Kane. How good making metres, but also he's got a good little ball, ball playing skills. Yeah, he's definitely not far away from being a regular that role player. That, yeah, it, that's that's for sure. How about we take a look in the jersey flag? Let's do it. What happened? Let's have the jersey flag. Elimination final week one. The Bulldogs running away with a twenty-two eighteen win over the Newcastle Knights keeps us alive for another week. Mm-hmm. Good result. Was a good result. Goal kicking the difference in this one. Both teams got four tries. Bulldogs kicking mm. three from four conversions. The Knights only kicking one to give us a 24 points to 18 score. For the Bulldogs tries to Justin Filo, Frank Carusa, uh, Devontae, Cinnamon of Tapa, and Delkin Cassie. Topai kicked three for four goals. We did have uh, Zach Everington Silbin in the 56th minute. Bit like his father. Bit of an anger ago. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, dogs pretty much, uh, despite the four tries each, had 60% of the possession and a superior uh, completion rate of 75%. So you'd have to say the uh, the better team won this one and Newcastle go home. Mm, yeah. 12-10 at half-time, yeah. It was... Obviously, we didn't get to see that game, but I was... Updating my phone like crazy for this game to see what's what's going on, and it's uh good to see. But the Bulldogs are into week two, but that's when they got knocked out last year in the Jersey flag. Yep. So yeah, so so, so yes, our Jersey flag side as well as our Henry Cup side off to Leichhardt Oval uh, this weekend. Uh, we're playing Saturday games, uh, but in the Jersey flag, we're up against the Sydney Roosters mm. who are. Uh, Last week, lost to the Penrith Panthers, 25-24. Good top four clash. Uh, we've got a good habit of beating top teams too, so our Jersey flag team should feel confident. They've they've got some good scouts this year and actually a few of the top four teams, so they should be feeling up for it. They should they should be backing themselves. They should feel confident to take out anyone. They'll be a dark horse, I reckon. They could be a dark horse. They've beaten a lot of the top four teams in the Jersey flag. They have um, pretty much similar lineup this week as well. So uh, I'm going to say it now. The Bulldogs will have a victory in the New Jersey flag. Oh, there we go. Big call. How about <laughs> we switch our attention back to the Canterbury Cup? We're versing the sixth place. Oh, sorry. We're versing the Magpies. I don't want to say we're versing the Magpies, the Wentworthville Magpies. So that's the Parramatta yeah. Junior. So rival game. Parramatta Reserve, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's a definitely a massive uh, rivalry game. But some big inclusions in this week's team, especially in the centres for both centres. Yeah, well, the Wentworth side have the same one to five as they did last week, um, which included Josh Hoffman, George Jennings, Jamin Salmon, and Greg Larissio. Um, but for the Bulldogs, um, Morgan Harper, Christian Crichton, and Jaden Ockenborough have all dropped back yeah. to play final football in the Canberra Cup. How big is that as an inclusion? Christian Crichton back from his ankle injury this week. Uh, Morgan Harper, uh, the, the captain, coming back from his NRL debut and a good NRL debut at that as well. Yeah, and he'd, then he'd still, he'd still be, be flying from his uh, NRL debut. And uh, Ockenborough's running almost 200 metres in NRL every time he gets an opportunity. So... Pure in form. The definitely You know, Christian Crime doesn't like. He loves getting in and dirty as well. He'll help out the forwards as well, and I think uh, it's a really good inclusion. It, what we kind of lose as in the halves, I guess you could say, we add a lot in the backs. Our backs of uh, our back five have strengthened dramatically, like strongly. It's very strong back five. That's right. Uh, the other winger for us is Tui Katoa, who's a Sierra Katoa from the Cradle Sharks' uh, cousin, I think. No, he's brother, sorry. It's his brother. It's his brother. And uh, Toa Mata Arfa, who's had a pretty good season, is the fullback. Uh, in the halves, we have uh, Lamulu and Jesse Mageski. Up front, we have Ofte Iki Ogden, so another LRL fringe player, you'd say there, uh, which would give us some good experience back at this level. Ben Mageski is the hooker. Jack Nelson, prop, Bronson Garlic, Dalton Smith in the second row. Denny Falalo at lock after his big game last week, which makes the bench look like this. James Robinus, Kay Kalachi, Ellie L. Zakim, and John Olive. Very strong side. I was just looking at the Wentworth Wolves side. Like you said, you had Josh Hoffman and George Jennings. Salmon in the centres. You got Will Smith in the halves. Then you look at the the forward. You got like Tim Matter and Matt McElrick. David Gower playing the second row. Penny Terrapa, Locke. Yeah. Oregon Confuci. There's a lot of NRL experience in this. He's on the bench. <laughs> yeah, he's on the bench. But there's so much yeah. NRL experience in this side. That's why I laugh at uh, people that say that there's not enough talent to expand by two teams in the NRL. I mean, there's, I enough, there's, there's enough talent in this one game for three quarters of a team. <laughs> David Gow, I didn't even know he played enough Wendy games. Apparently he did. Yeah. But there other players go. the Bulldogs could potentially use in the New South Cup, which they haven't, would be Jack Hogger. Yeah. Uh, Lachlan Lewis played a fair bit of New South Cup. Which is interesting. I, I would have expected Lewis to drop back with the uh, injury to Fabio Brown. Yeah, he did. None of them did. Like I was expecting Pogba or Lewis or even both of them going back in the halves. Be interesting to see if we win this week. If uh, we do start pulling uh, Lewis and Pogba out. What about who else? Sorry, Renov Tumamunga. Yep. Well, Reece Martin dropped back. We know Reece Martin and Eastwood and all that were playing. Uh, I guess it'll depend if uh, they're carrying legal leg injuries as well that we might not know about. And looking towards the NRL season ahead with all those players. All right. Before we finish it off, what do you reckon of this week's funny prediction? Kenbury makes their Bulldogs or the one word will make players? Uh, I'm going to go Bulldogs by four points. Bulldogs by four. Uh, May plays were really impressive against Penrith. Uh, Although the Penrith Panthers were a little bit disappointing as well. The Bulldogs, last time these two teams played, the Bulldogs lost the game 28-20, second last week of the regular season. It's definitely going to be a tight game, but I'm going to go with you. The Bulldogs yeah, to progress just... in the Canterbury Cup and the Jersey Flag this weekend. It'll be a good weekend if that's the case. It's time for old dogs, Scotty. Who we got? Who we've got? We've got uh, a Bulldogs player you've probably thought could have played more, but I absolutely loved him. I'm pretty sure you did too. I've got Ben Harris. Do you remember Ben Harris? How do you forget Ben Harris? Yeah, I mean... He, you left, our club, he left our club for Europe because of, a, because of his love life. Oh, he <laughs> wouldn't go to Europe for a love life, eh? Oh, no, he's married. I'm only kidding. Just a... <laughs> <laughs> just, just um, 
my, yeah, my love life contains um, my relationship with the Bulldogs. Anyway. <laughs> um, ben Harris only played the 42 NRL games for the Bulldogs between 2002 and 2005. It felt like more, but he felt, he felt like, to me, when I was watching him, I might have been a bit, I don't know, it was going, we're going back a few years, I might have been a bit watching him for blue and white eye, but I, I felt like he was a world-class centre. He was. He never. We never lost anything when, he, like, when there was times in the, especially two thousand and four, we had Jamal Alisi and Willie Tonga in the centres, and we had those games where Matt Utah was injured a fair bit in two thousand and four, and Ben Harris would slide in and push Alisi to the wing. Yeah, we didn't lose anything with that. No, like, no we didn't. It's just it kind of reminds me Ben Harris maybe of a, you know, when the we had that little cricket joke earlier when we had the the Australian cricket team had the dominant side. The early 2000s to yeah. like 2008, whatever it was, like 2000 to 2008, kind of like that, where he was well, he was a really good, he's a really good center. He just couldn't crack the team as a regular as he'd like to. Well, that's right. And then uh, after his time at the Bulldogs, he went and played 80 games for the Bradford Bulls between 2005 and 2007, who are my English team. Uh, mm. Kept him in good, good books for me. But he did come back to finish his career at North Queensland between 2008 and 2010, playing 41 games for them. Different different player when he came back, though. I enjoyed him at Cowboys. I always loved watching the Cowboys play just the face of him. You know, if we actually look at Ben Harris right now, you know he's only 35 years old. Yeah, he did retire young, didn't he? Yeah, so he retired, what's his, nine years ago. So... Oh, jeez. He'll be all 27. Because he's, <laughs> he's just about to turn 36. That's yeah, why I don't, don't think around. 27. I don't think it was, I don't think it was injury for Steve. I think he just, he just had enough. Yeah, but like you look at him in the Bulldogs. I didn't realise actually, now looking at how old he is. Yeah. He's looking still at how old he is, he was recently. a young pup. He was a young boy at <laughs> the Bulldogs. Yeah, so really the youngest old dog we've ever had. Yeah, and he's just, I, damn, it's just, I feel like I wish he was coming through now. <laughs> be regular, just like, imagine him and Morgan Harper, the future of them two are both 21 now, coming through the Bulldogs. It would be an exciting time. Uh, ben Harris, yeah, he was, a, he was a loyal club man when he started the Bulldogs, and like you said, never lost anything when he was coming in as a replacement player. He definitely held his own, one of the better Outside backs at the time in a pretty strong Bulldogs team at the time as well. Um, he played a game for country in 2008 yeah. when he was at the Cowboys and he scored a try. Well, have you got anything else to say. add for this old dog segment, Scotty? Ah, uh, just uh, unlucky how unlucky Ben Harris. Ben Harris could have been one of those players who could have played 250 NRL games or 250 club games, like 250 NRL games for the Bulldogs, one of those type of players or something like that. And it was just the era he's coming through, unfortunately, at the Bulldogs. Probably just didn't mean he could do that. I was just unlucky. Well, that's right. Uh, we're we're going to... Oh, Scotty, I think we're going to merge two topics here. We're going to merge uh, like. old, old dog segment with our listener topic segment. Because we've had a very interesting listener topic question come through this weekend from Aunt Bruce. On Twitter, so people out there, the Twitter handle for Ant Bruce is at Ant Bruce. Sorry, at Ant Bruce nineteen eighty. Uh, good year, nineteen eighty for the Bulldogs. Lock Give him the roosters in the grand final. Uh, Give him a follow. Is, this is a good question. Yeah. So this is the question from Ant Bruce: uh, Top five all-time Bulldogs players in key positions, or top ten, top ten best Bulldogs players never to play Origin. Wow, well, I thought it was top five. I've done, I've done five. Uh, actually, I can, I can extend it to eight. So I'll extend mine to eight. Top eight players for the Bulldogs that never played to Origin. And I'll also give you uh, my eligibility for that. But for the first part of the question, top five all-time dog players in key positions. I think, Scotty, what we'll do with that is during the off-season, um, we can go through one position per week, perhaps, and talk about the top five players in each position, from fullback all the way throughout, down to lock. 
Yeah, I like that. Even a bench player, maybe, too. Someone who's been renowned for the bench career. Top five utility players at the end of it. Yeah, there you go. utility. 14. Even, you know, a forward who's just always played off the bench, but impact, like, the whole entire career. So we'll do that. But uh, the best players to play for the Bulldogs never play Origin. Let's, uh, I'll kick this one off, and I've got my list here. Okay, so... Can I start Sorry? one? Can I start one, a very... One, we can make it maybe make it to nine together. I've tried to be, yeah, uh, yeah. How many have you got, Scotty? I had about four. I was struggling a little bit. Uh, my research wasn't overly great. You know, I was very busy today, but um, I got yep. a few. But I've, I can add one right now if you like. Well, what I was going to say is that I could go through. If you if you if you add one, we could go. I'll go five. You go five. Then I'll go four. You go four. Like that, we'll work our way up. To the top. Yeah. So, would you like me to start, or would you like to start? Okay, I'll start. But I will say that I've added a few eligibility rules around this because top players to play for the Bulldogs never play for uh, Origin. I could easily do that with just a whole bunch of Kiwi players. So I've decided to limit it to Australian players. But I've also decided to limit uh, players uh, that played for. New South Wales or Queensland pre-state of origin as well. So someone like yeah. Graham Hughes who played uh, for New South Wales first in 1975. It's not an origin match, but I'm going to count that as representing your state. So he can't be eligible in my list. Um, yeah, so I've, I've limited it to Australians who haven't played for their state. So in my fifth spot, I've gone all the way back to the 1970s. He's a fullback by the name of Stan Cutler. At the time, throughout that decade, he was one of the premier fullbacks of the competition. Uh, and unlucky, he played in two losing grand finals in the 70s and unlucky to play, uh, not to play in the 1980 grand final because of injury. Good choice. Trent's father, for the younger fans who might remember Trent Cutler yep. being... In the New South Cup and playing a bit of top grade for the Bulldogs. Yeah, he was, uh, he was he was the Billy Slater of his day almost, or well, maybe mm -hmm. maybe the Brett Stewart of his day, overshadowed by uh, a couple of really great fullbacks at the time. Has there always been great fullbacks? I know it's we're going off topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I assume so. <laughs> All right, who you got in number five, Scotty? I want to keep to the fullback. Position, um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Mick Potter. Oh, oh, okay. no, he did play a game. He did play a game. My research <laughs> is wrong. Oh. Throw away. I'll double check. I searched him up earlier and I couldn't find anything. And I'd look at uh, now, I, and he has. I thought you were gonna say Luke Patton. That was he's like number four. <laughs> so I'll go. I'll, I'll, actually, I want to throw a spare on the works for this one because I've I had a backup one, and now I'm gonna use him now if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm going to use the old dog Ben Harris. I know he ben was Harris. overly regular, but he played New South. He played for country. He never played for New South Wales, and we never lost anything at any stage. Was he to play when he was playing? Okay, Pull the ball so, so I've gone fifth best Bulldog player, lots of player origin. You stand Cutler, and you've gone Ben Harris in fourth well, place. I've, I've given yours away. So Luke Patton, we'll talk about him. Yeah, so Luke Patton's my fourth place. Uh, he was 18th man towards the back end of his career, I think twice. Yeah, really, really close to making his debut, and probably very, very unlucky not to get one. A hundred percent. Luke Patton was a mainstay of our club, uh, and was unlucky not to play Origin. At number four, I've got Aiden Tolman. You got Aiden Tolman. Yes. Number four. Oh, number no. Four. Why? He's on my list. He's about okay. to come up. Well, I've so, got Aiden Coleman at number four. He's the fourth best player for us never to play. Uh, playing over 200 games in the front row for the club. Um, he, was tipped, uh, he was tipped at a young age coming through from Melbourne Storm to be a future Origin player. And he's just unlucky, unlucky to never actually fit into one of the teams. Yeah. Uh, he, he wouldn't be out of place now to actually play Origin. Yeah, which would have to get him striped off this list. So I'm assuming he's your number three, Scotty? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was my okay. number three. 
We've covered Aiden. Let's move on. My third best player to play for the Bulldogs but never play Origin is Corey Hughes. So yes, Corey Hughes, part of the famous Hughes family uh, that's been with the club for a very long time. Uh, Quite a few guys to see. Big pest on the field. Represented City a lot, a lot of the, uh, throughout his career, but um, never got on into the Origin Arena. He's behind a couple of good hookers. Luke Prittis. Oh, sorry, Luke Prittis. Queensland. Uh, Craig Wing. <laughs> it comes to mind. Yeah, Danny Vidiris, Craig Wing. Yeah. It just was like, it was, Danny Vidiris was the Cameron Smith. Well, was Cameron Smith before Cameron Smith was Cameron Smith. Right. There was in, back in the game. Yeah, he was. Uh, and in second position, I've got uh, Craig Polamauta. Bit of a utility. Playing throughout the 90s, he could play at 5'8", halfback or hooker and moved around quite a lot. He was a, he's a legend of our club uh, and never went on to play for New South Wales. He was probably no. Craig Wing before Craig Wing. Yeah. <laughs> he's had some he's a very talented yeah you've just stubbed me yeah he was the, the he also scored the uh, he scored the last try at Belmore Sports Ground uh, in the Bulldogs last game there when we left uh, originally to go to ANZ mm. uh, obviously we've been back since but it was quite a moment yeah <sighs> amazing he's an amazing player exciting player to watch he was. He's a he's a bit of a live liar. Who have you got as your second best? Actually, I had Corey Hughes as number two. Okay, so who was your third? Oh, yeah, Tolman. 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 You you so, take oh, our list is in a different order. Yeah, that's right. So you've got Corey Hughes at two. Yeah. Uh, so we've already covered Corey. So I yep. think I'll just go into into, uh, right, into the best player. To... The best player to play for the Bulldogs never played Origin. And I can be quite biased with this selection. But I'm pretty sure you might have the same. I've gone with Brent Shifty Show. Yes, I did actually have Brent Show on the same. I've, I had Brent Show on the one. That, well, that was when the question was asked straight away. That question. Yep. What I thought was actually top five. I put him at number one without even looking at anything. Yeah, so we have to apologise to Ed Bruce. But uh, we were working on the top five. But Brent Show, he uh, was playing at a time where Brett Kamali and Matt Orford and Andrew Johns were winning uh, Clive Churchill's and Daley Owens. He was 18th man on a couple of occasions. And uh, early on in the 2000s, he missed out on selection purely because uh, he, well, he was the best halfback in the comp, but he missed out on selection purely because Andrew Johns had the Andrew Johns reputation. Do you... That was 2003, I think it was. Can we ask Andrew, because I've been stumped with that, like we've actually thrown Luke Patton, yeah, probably, I threw Luke Patton a bit higher, I was thrown off by Mick Potter, I'm, I apologise for my poor research on that one, but my question would be to him, can we, for next week, if you're listening to this one, with the top five, are we talking about top five who've never played Origin whilst at the Bulldogs? Could we mention maybe someone who's played Origin after or before the Bulldogs? <laughs> Because you start to think, right, like, Haswell Manager was up there, then you go, damn it, he played Origins before he retired. Yeah. Yeah, damn, he would have been up there. He would have been up to, like, top two. Which is not, not necessarily a bad thing. But, yeah, um, because there wasn't any specifics, I guess, around criteria, we've just gone with what we've gone with. So just to yeah. recap for me, at the fifth best player is Sam Cutler, the fourth best player, Aidan Tolman, Corey Hughes in third, Craig Polamata, number two, and Brent Shaw at number one. In your top five, Scotty? My top five, I had to put Ben Harris at five because I my poor research, but I, Ben Harris was a, a player that should have played much more top grade and should have had the opportunity for the higher honours in his career. My number four was Luke Patton. The Luke Patton who got so close on multiple occasions to play top grade. My number three is one of my favourites, in this current Bulldog side is Aiden Tolman. Number two, I went for Corey Hughes. Love watching Corey Hughes play the little, uh, the little uh, pest, the little game, he put a lot of gamesmanship in him. He did a lot of funny moments. He played for City as he was leaving the Bulldogs. 
it was a real chance for him to get there. He just unfortunately never got there. And then number one, I've gone for Brent Shell, the same as you. One of the best halfbacks to, I mean, especially in the modern era to play, especially between 2002 and 2004, at the very least. He was probably the premier halfback of the competition. And God, don't, wouldn't we kill to have a Brent Shell coming around today? Okay, it's time for Rugby League World. Scotty, you've got the topics. What are we talking about this week? We're talking about the NRL finals just in general. Have a bit of fun because it's that time of the year, September footy. Another NRL finals topic should mainly be allowed to play finals at Lotto Land after the news this week and then just in general as well. Uh, your views on finals, your views on the actual finals venues or our views, yeah. and should there be a wildcard system into the finals? And uh, we're going to touch up a bit about the international league about the Tonga situation. Yeah, so we'll start with Tonga. Well, we'll start Unfortunately, the... there's a dispute between players and the administration over players have uh, taken exception to an interim board at the Tongan National Rugby League who have told their all-successful coach, Christian Wolf to resign. Uh, the players aren't happy about this. They're also not happy about funds from the World Cup and where it's been... Uh, put back in uh, for Tongan Rugby League. Uh, quite this, if, if, where this, the funds have been put into? Do we know? So, uh, yeah, do you yeah. know? Is it being put into not junior competitions or players' payments for the World Cup? So I, I've, like... I've heard two stories. I'm not sure which one's correct. One story is that they've put it into developing Rugby League into Tonga when they promised it to players who haven't been paid yet from the World Cup. Uh, the other story I've heard is that they have kept it for themselves and haven't put it into de- developing rugby league in Tonga, which is what the players are upset about. So I'm not um, sure which which of those two stories is true, but I've either way, it's pretty disappointing. I think the second one sounds more true. Like I know you'd be upset if you never got paid, but in a sense, that if it's developing league in Tonga and Jason Samalo and Andrew Fafita doing a good job with that. That they should be and what somewhat be a little bit happy that they're actually trying to develop the future of Tonga Rugby League. So I'd hope, I would think it'd be a second option and just an outside looking in. There's a meeting, there's an annual general meeting of Tonga Rugby League this Friday. Uh, so hopefully all of this can be sorted and Tonga, the Tonga players won't have to boycott the Great Britain Test, the Oceania. Cup and also the Nines. If that happens, it'd be quite disappointing. We've already got our tickets to the Nines, and Tonga is probably one of the sites that I'm most excited about seeing. So to not yeah. be able to see a strong Tonga would be quite a disappointment and a real shame for the International Rugby League after such great work that's been done with Tongan Rugby League over the course of well, from the last World Cup until till now, until last season. Administrators, those matches. Administration, administrators, though some of them, Jesus. Louise, eh? Or well, rugby league, yeah. The problem that uh, Mas- Steve Maskell pointed out that this problem occurs developing nations quite a lot due to the fact that you've got professional players playing for amateur organisations. Yeah. So that's where the problem comes. Hopefully it can be sorted out and we don't need to talk too much more about that. Uh, let's jump into the NRL finals, the, the exciting time of the year, unfortunately. We're not in it. Um, all pretty good games this week, though, Scotty. Yeah, it is pretty good. Roosters versus Rabbitohs. Back and watching them. Roosters versus Rabbitohs after last week. Wow, they almost killed each other the week before the finals. They'll do it again. The yeah. winner of that could be the grand in the grand final. Well, maybe, but if they have a game that is as high as the intensity and the physicality and the amount of injuries, if it's replicated this Friday night, the same as it was last week. The winner could be knocked out in week three. And the loser could be knocked out in week two. Yeah, I'm just saying... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. The teams that have to play those off those teams uh, might be laughing with uh, how hard they might go this week. But it's going, yeah. to, be, it's going to be a terrific game to watch as a neutral. Uh, it's going to be epic. Should be sold out, too. Yeah, hopefully. I, I expect it to be close to... Or sold out or close to, so... Yeah, um, there should be around that 35,000-plus mark. Yeah. Anything less um, would be disappointing. Second game is uh, is Melbourne versus Canberra. Well, what a game that was last time those two teams played. 
as well. Oh. Yeah, Caused a lot of stir with the wrestle and uh, some Kevin the Smith stuff. The 12 players as well for the Raiders. Yeah, unbelievable win. So Cameron knows that they can go down there and do it. But Melbourne Storm, how many times do they lose to the same team twice in the same year, let alone twice in their own city? Oh, West Tigers. Oh, twice the same year. You're wrong. West Tigers did it last year with the Auckland. They won in Auckland and then uh, when they took a game to New Zealand for a double header and yeah, also twice won in Melbourne. Melbourne. But yeah, not twice in Melbourne. You said twice and I jumped the gun and then you said twice in the same city. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's going to be an incredible game too. Merely are playing Cronulla, an old rivalry at Lotto Land. Uh, I think that's going to be the most yeah. predictable game. It's going to be a sellout, but it's going to be a sellout of like 15,000, 14,000 people, unfortunately, because that stadium is just not up to standard at all for a professional sporting team in the year 2019. And it's an absolute joke that we're still doing it, especially uh, hey. after reports that there's bloody asbestos there. Hold on, that's our next topic. Let's just go through the finals first and we'll jump. If you're jumping the gun, you get how angry you are. And we just build uh, that up for the next topic, eh? Hey? Uh, get on to the. I've already gone off. Uh, and the fourth game is uh, the exact opposite. Bankless Stadium, Parramatta Eels versus Brisbane Broncos. That will be a sellout as well, surely. Um, Parramatta should probably win that fairly comfortably, but it should be a great spectacle at a fantastic modern stadium. Okay, now we're looking at the finals. You've got your yep. eight teams. Who's winning it? Like, who do you think's going to win? Who's going to win the premiership? Yeah, who do you think? Yep. No. City. Sorry? No, just no. I don't want any. I want this all in your head. What do you think right now? As we're leading up to the finals, I know a lot can change with, like you said, injuries and stuff like that. Or there's always a shock result, at least in yeah. the finals. There's always a team who's going to push it. But who's going to win? Who's going to win the grand final? The grand final. Who's got it this year? Yeah. These eight teams left. Uh, the Sydney Roosters will become the first team since 1992 93 to win back to back premierships. Massive core. Massive. Who they, who, they, who they beat on the grand final day? Oh, um, I say Melbourne actually. There you go. So a repeat grand final. I'm going to say the team who who I think is going to win. I yep. think South Sydney is going to win. Yeah. Oh, okay. I want South Sydney. I think they can get the job done against the big teams. They've got no problem putting down the Roosters twice this year. One at the SCG and one at Ains just recently. I think they will get the win. And I actually think the Roosters are going to go bang, bang out. I think the game's going to be so physical on Friday that I think the Roosters are going to be knocked out in week two. I think the people will actually be licking their lips to verse the Roosters in week two and that's actually not being afraid to verse them. I know it's a big call, but that's how I, what I'm seeing at the moment. I reckon it's going to be an even physical game at the SCG than what was at ANZ the week prior. Yeah, I think South who does, might get them. Who does South speak at the grand final? South will beat, I reckon they will knock off Melbourne Storm. Well, there you go. We both got Melbourne in the grand final. But okay, <laughs> now who do you want to win out of these eight teams? No, to put in your heart. Who? Canberra. Canberra Raiders? Yeah, I agree. I would like Canberra. <laughs> I like the way they play. It's exciting. I think, I think every neutral that doesn't have a team in the competition anymore is getting behind the Canberra Raiders. They're everyone's second team this year, I think. And actually, weird prediction. I, might, I think I'm going to have Brisbane beating Parramatta. Oh, okay. Just because I'm... I don't I, see that happening at all, but cool. I, I've just gone back to 2014 when we made the finals. Remember that? When we were coming yeah. in seventh? We were versing Melbourne and everyone just wrote us off saying they won't win, they won't win, they won't win. They had a, such a bad run into the finals. They were losing to teams in the bottom eight and then we went on and we went to win and we made the grand final. Yeah. I feel like something like the Eels, if anyone's going to get complacent in a finals game, it's going to be Parramatta, especially led by Cliff Gufferson. If anyone's going to get complacent, it'll be those, that team. And I think Brisbane might be able to slide away with a cheeky win at Bank West before getting knocked out. All right, let's, let's move on to the next topic. Well, you've already suggested your thoughts. Should finals be allowed to be, should Manly be allowed to host a home finals match at Lotto Land for week, any week of the finals, but week one, should they be allowed? Manly shouldn't be allowed to host a home game at Lotto Land. Not an NRL home game? No. Well, with reports of asbestos, surely they can't even play there next year. That's that's before the reports of asbestos, in my opinion. No, well, no, I'm just saying with the reports of asbestos, you, surely that's the final yeah. string, the final line in the the set. Like you know, that's it. No more. Ta-da. Yeah, like, lock it that's down. The final thing. 
the final Lock straw. Lock it down safely. Get rid of the asbestos and build a brand new stadium if you want to keep playing there. It's ridiculous. Well, what other venues could they play at? Well, that's the problem, no. I guess. But, um, like, it's an absolute joke that the NRL, week one of the NRL finals, we're going to have a game at a ground that holds 15,000, 16,000 that looks like it's straight out of the 60s. What competition in the world, what professional competition in the world that has a finals game at a venue that looks like that? Well, what those facilities? world host of hosting a regular match or something like that? Like, uh, like, don't like to compare ourselves to other sports, but would that happen in EPL? No. Would it happen in a Cricket World Cup or a Union World Cup? No. Would it happen in the Super Rugby Finals? No. no. Super would Rugby it is a joke. Would it happen in the AFL? No. I mean, the best they get is playing the final game at Giant Stadium or the the showground. And that's a brand new stadium, more or less. Um, Oh, yeah, I'm just saying that just capacity-wise. We don't like talking about the AFL, giving them any credit, but, geez, you can't keep playing there. So it's a big no, a big cross. You've put a line through it. No finals game, or actually no NRL game, should be played at Longland until upgrade or uh, knockdown and rebuild. We'll leave that on to our next topic. Views on week one finals games. Now, the reason I put this one down on the list was because I remember last year the Penrith Panthers making week one of the finals and they knew, they told the NRL they want to play it at Panther Stadium and the NRL said no. They said you must play it at ANZ. Well, now we've got Bank West, so that makes it a little bit easier. What about teams like that? The Panthers, the Sharks for week one of the finals? Or, or is it dependent on who they verse? I think it, well, I think it comes into... Depending on who they verse, but it also depends on the situation. So right now, um, we don't have Ariat, so next year we won't have ANZ. So I think in the next couple of years, we can have a few exceptions to the rule. But overall, once the stadiums are back online, uh, no, no suburban grounds in finals football. For you week can't one. have a situation. Yeah, in week one. You can't have a situation where... Dragons played Canterbury in a week one finals game and there was more people that were locked out of the game than inside the stadium. You can't have that in the finals mm. competition. Um, and 30,000 people at an 80,000 venue, to me, is more impressive than 20,000 people at a 20,000 venue. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I agree. More people, the more people in there. realistic. But what about people going in the gates, yeah. getting the tickets, getting seeing the football? Absolutely. Um, Panthers could play at Bankwest, though. Cronulla, it's you. Well, now it makes it easier. I was just using the Panthers as a suggestion because they were up and raw. There was like something like, off the top of my head, I think there was like seventeen or 18,000 at ANZ the night yeah. they beat the Warriors. And they were saying we would have got 20 at Panthers Stadium. And not just that, there was actually track work planned and knocked out the whole Penrith line for that game, which made it a bit harder to get to ANZ Stadium. Other people just said, suck it up. It's only maybe what half an hour trip on the M4. Yeah, I, I think all, all Western City teams should be playing out of Bank Western ANZ for finals, or Eastern teams should be playing out of uh, Allianz. So the funny thing with me is that I think we just to draw a line with those venues, I would like them to say, hey, we're going to play in a standard, especially the Sydney teams, going to play in a, a standard venue, which would be Bank Western. Because someone like the West Tigers. We use them as an example. If they rolled up to week one of the finals versus someone like, you know, the Cowboys for Gold Coast Titans, week one, yeah. where they have strong Sydney support, where do, I'm going to think, I think they're going to play at Bank West. Yeah. Just for the sake they don't upset any of their fans by playing at Leichhardt or Campbelltown to pick yeah. the finals game there because uh, one set of the merge is going to get upset. Like, why can't Leichhardt host week one of the finals by Campbelltown? Or why can Campbelltown and why can't Leichhardt? And I feel like that just solves an argument that doesn't need to be made or doesn't need to be happened. I know they haven't played, they're not playing final football this year, but they were one win away from a finals game. So next year they'll be looking to build into the finals and who knows, if they come fifth, they've got a home week one finals game. Yeah, they'll, and if they they'll best, You'd hope so. I'm just talking about, about like against like the Cowboys. If the Cowboys make it or the Titans, it, it's not up to the clubs anyway. The people got to realise that the NRL Finals is one of only a few occasions where the NRL actually makes money off games. The other yes. occasion is a state of origin. Uh, so the NRL is going to make the decision that's best financially. So seventeen thousand for a Panthers game at A and Z 
uh, could be better financially for the NRL than 20,000 at Pampa Stadium, purely based on the corporates. Yes, you're correct. And also, maybe that just meeting this week, so like for just to sum up your thing, that Manly and Cronulla are probably two of the smallest supporter based Sydney clubs in the NRL. Yeah. That's a fair, yeah. it's just a fair statement without making that up. Uh, if Manly were to face someone like us, week one of the finals, you would think that would be played somewhere at like the SEG or Bank West. Depending on where they wanted to play, they'd have to probably pick out the one of the two of the venues. Just mm. because the Bulldogs, you know the Bulldogs will turn up in at least at least ten or fifteen thousand will turn up of just blue well, I think I think the NRL's allowed Lotto Land and Shark Park and all that to have home games in week one of the finals for the next three years because of the stadium situation. Uh, but once but, that yeah, situation, but it'll be depending on who they verse. Once that situation is over uh, and the stadiums are back online, we'll go back to the old rule. But the NRL right. will be major well, stadiums. Still, it'll still depend on who they verse. Yeah, like the Dragons, whether it's Allianz or Bank West or whatever and what location the teams are from, and also what other games are happening as well. But uh, it'll be the major stadiums. Let's get into the final topic, Scott. Should there be a wildcard system or form of wildcard system in the NRL finals? No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. I say yes. What type of wildcard system? I like the fact that the top six make the finals. And I, people got to remember, I think maybe the way the NRL released this, at the reports were the top 10 finals. Yeah, which would be wasn't ridiculous in a 16 no, competition. It wasn't that at all. Top 10s didn't make the finals. It was your top six made the finals, and another two teams made the finals. Yeah, it was a wildcard weekend. Yes. Yeah, so people automatically think, oh, top 10, you made the finals. No, that wasn't. You didn't make the finals, became 10. It was you were allowed to play in a wildcard thing. And I also think it gives you another week in a football, which I can't say no to. Yeah, uh, well, so the whole idea was to get more money for the NRL by creating more assets to sell to TV stations. Uh, but like, it sounds like a good idea in theory. I just think it's ridiculous for a 16 team competition. If we had 20 teams, I'd be all for it. What about 18? Uh, well, 18 still has 10 teams. Getting past yeah, the first, getting past think, the regular season. I uh, think people like you and everyone else are thinking top 10 makes finals, and I think that's what they've got in the back of their no, mind. Is listen listen to what I said. Listen to what I said. I said past the regular season. So the wild card yes. weekend would still be past the regular season. Yeah. Um, but it's. I'd be happier with, with 18 teams competition with the system than 16, but I think it would work perfectly for a 20 team competition. Yeah, but I'm just thinking that. I think the people, the back of people's mind is that they, when that was came out, I saw it on social media and people were going top ten final system. What a joke! This is too much teams making the finals and a past the regular season. I like the idea because I look at teams like you said, like the Broncos who made the finals. Yeah, they've came in, they've just slid through. They couldn't put away a a, a team who can't even qualify for the top ten final, like the the top ten system of the wildcard weekend. They couldn't, the yeah. Bulls couldn't get there. They couldn't put them away. And you go, well, are they worthy of making final football? Then you got the Sharks playing in the final week to try to qualify with the Tigers to try to qualify for final football. Then you go, oh. Uh. And then if I think if you make the top six, I think the top six is a nice reward to have a weekend off and watch a few teams play the week yeah, before. Well, if, that, if that's the case, why don't we just have a top six? No, because more money. Revenue. <laughs> no, but I I'm think just thinking the, the other, it the gives other, the top six a week off. I think the other thing with this is that I think when they brought out the idea, they stuffed it up by calling it a wild card weekend. They called it some sort of playoff game like we used to have when two teams finished tied fifth or whatever. Um, you might have been able to sell it a bit easier. But the other, I think the other, the biggest argument against it is if teams can't get themselves into a position to play finals football throughout the course of 24 games. Why do they get an extra game to do so? That's a fair argument, but I just look at, like, you know, if you go in a wild card as well, if you look at, I mean, I know what you mean like that, but I was thinking if you go the bottom teams who are hit the form, so if you look at someone like us making a wild card, if you go, okay, we'll look at the past month or two months of football to see who are the eight, who missed the eight, but who was in the top form, or like yeah. who's. Consistent, you probably look at someone. I think we'll look at the top of the around the Bulldogs and West Tigers. Traditionally, but, though, a wild card system is just like a random selection. So, using the word wild card is a bit silly. 
Okay, so if we did so use a lot like of saying, system. It'd, it'd be like saying, uh, oh, let's give, like, I'm just saying, like, wild cards, traditional use in sports. It'd be like saying, oh, we're going to give two wild cards out and we're going to give it to the Titans and the Knights. It'd just be like, okay. why those two teams? Oh, just because it's a wild card. It's just random. <laughs> if you were to pick those two teams that should, if there was a wild card system, yeah. based on form and you've seen in the last couple of weeks, this is going to cause a debate. But who would yeah. you pick? Tigers and the Bulldogs. That's what I would pick. Yeah, but I just, yeah, I feel like they would cause more of a threat in the finals than the Broncos. Oh, I mean, I know I said the Broncos are going to win week one, but the way the yeah. Broncos have formed leading into the finals, yeah. you'd think the Bulldogs could, you know, they beat the Eels. Yeah. They uh, beat the South Sydney. Same time, those two teams have won more games earlier in the season to be there anyway. Yeah, I know, but I just think it's just the, I thought it'd be another good game, another you know, win, you go forward, lose, you're out type of game. I love those type of yeah. games when it's got that much on the line. I think this discussion is coming to a natural end there. We're just going over what we both have talked about. So I think we'll leave it there, Scotty. Um, if you got Agreed anything to say, if you got anything to say on any of the topics we've talked about in this week's podcast, please leave us an audio message on the Anchor app or website or tweet us at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram, at LRL underscore Bulldogs fans and email is bulldogs.fans at gmail.com.